Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Peter, you are one of the most creative and funny people I know. Um, and so I'd love to start by talking about your childhood, were you always like that? Oh man, what an interesting question, Lloyd. Was I always wild and crazy? Absolutely. Uh, my parents have old, old tape of me running around the front yard and backyard screaming, digging up holes. Uh, back in the day, we weren't required <laughs> to wear helmets on, on, on bikes and all that stuff. Jumping on, I, we, I used to create these ramps, right? I used to create these ramps and put a box and then I put this wooden ramp and we would just see as, if we could fly as far as possible. So yes, absolutely. I've always been full of energy, full of life and that hasn't dissipated even, the, even though I'm crossing the 40s now. <laughs> Peter, you have such a unique background and I'm sure that contributes into it. But you went to college and graduated with three, three degrees in education, counseling and divinity. What was, what's the connection there? Ah, great question. So my undergrad was computer science. And then some being who I am, which is pretty much always thirsty for knowledge and learning, I decided to go back to school because I wanted to learn how people worked. I wanted to learn how the world worked. And I wanted to learn how, well, I'll tell you the story in a little bit. But so my first, first graduate degree is a master's in counseling and organizational behavior because I love building startups. I love building companies. And I wanted to be more effective to understand how to build the right culture. The second, I got a, a graduate degree in education with a focus on cognitive learning theory. For me, I'm all about, I'm very much in my head. I'm an introvert by nature, even though I love to communicate and share my ideas like on podcasts like these. Um, and so I wanted to understand how I could tap into brain power. How could I effectively leverage my team and, and, and tap into their, their, their psyche or tap, tap into their mental models of how in their worldviews of how they see the world? And finally, I was the third graduate degree was really just, long story short, my professor convinced me. Uh, Dr. Crabb came up to me after I finished my second graduate degree. He said, you understand people. You understand how the mind works. Now you need to understand how faith works. And I said, ooh. I guess here, take my money. Uh, and so he t they took my money and I got a, a graduate degree in divinity with a focus on apologetics and religion because as I learned at the end of the day, we all have worldviews, whether it's religious worldviews or not, and those help inform the decision and the patterns of our behaviors. And so understanding all three, I feel like I understand people pretty daggone well. Wow, that's that's bizarre. I've never heard that before. Like the the few times I've heard apologetics, it's been specific to a, a like a specific religion, like someone of that religion defending mm. their faith. Um, what was that like learning that uh, in an institution or or uh, a seminary? I don't even know where you, where you're 
How's so that so work? The, my divinity was the divinity degree was from Luther Rice Seminary. So technically, could be a Southern Baptist pastor, uh, if if you will. But uh, for me, the apologetics was it, right. You, you're completely right. Apologetics is in defense of right the ability to have to defend a faith or a religious a worldview or something like that. And for me, apologetics was for me how I could create powerful argumentation how could i create indefensible how could i how could i create arguments rational arguments and logical arguments to defend ideas that i have you see as an entrepreneur and operator as well as venture capitalist i'm constantly surrounded by great ideas i'm constantly surrounded by amazing things that people could build do sell product service and so for me I want to understand if this is something I'm going to invest in, how do I defend it best? How do I find the words, the narrative, the story that makes this thing come alive to an investor or come alive to a user or a customer, right? And so for me, apologetics was really a deeper dive into how to communicate effectively um, and through argumentation, debate, and rationale. Wow. I love that. You know, I, I thought based on the research and, you know, kind of your background, that this conversation would be so tech-centered, but it yeah. almost seems like you're very people-centered, and mm -hmm. because of that, you succeed in the tech space. How much of creating a successful startup would you say is understanding people, culture, and, and being able to motivate people versus having a oh. great idea or great tech product? Great ideas are a dime a dozen, and I get pitched all the time right? And so the question really is, is can I understand the person behind the idea? Because anybody can make a Facebook now. There's, there's models, there's, there's, there's WYSIWYGs, there's, there's, there's tooling that allows you to build a Twitter if you want to, or a Facebook or a social network or a link. Right? Like there, there are tools and processes to be able to do this now. And, 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 and most ideas out there are merely a rewrapping I think this is important, are either a rewrapping of a model that has already existed or a decomposition of a complex model that can be distilled into a functional unit of value. And so the whole idea in startups today is really how can I amalgamate or conglomerate something into a great package that's sellable? Or how can I take a package that already is feature rich and extract one of those features and make a lot of money doing that really well? So that's essentially what ideas are in today at a, at a very meta level, high level um, vantage point. And so what I really want to understand are two things, perseverance and a no quit, no give up attitude. Those are the two things that are absolutely required for success in any type of endeavor. And so apologetics, understanding culture, understanding education, understanding how the mind works, it has given me the words and the ability to have a tool belt of questions that I can ask entrepreneurs and operators and VCs alike so that I can extract deeper understanding around their motivations and the why they're doing what they're doing. And that right there is something many operators have actually never, in many of my experiences talking with them, have never really, really been able to communicate effectively. I, it's, it's interesting. You ask the question, hey, why are you building this? And they'll give you some generic, I want to save the world. No, 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 no. Why are you? Why are you uniquely fit? Why in this moment in time? Is it you that has to execute on this, has to slave on this, has to persevere on this, right? Those are the types of questions that I want to understand to help me get to the mental models that inform the decisions they make for those startups. And so I believe my education has really helped me uh, in tech startups and venture capital and building companies. So I feel like it's been worth the million dollars that I spent on graduate degrees. <laughs> 
Man, I love that parallel. And, and you know, I want to talk about that a bit more. One of the things that is so impressive about the work that you do is you actually go into startups and talk to them about the agile methodology. Do you mind talking a bit about what that is and, and why it's so important? Agile is a worldview. It is a way of thinking. Uh, essentially, a bunch of people came together in Snowbird, Utah in 2001, and these were software developers, quality assurance engineers, and product people alike, and they came up with a core set of values that ended up being the Agile Manifesto, or the ways that we should think differently around building software, especially given the context of our complex world. You see, back in the day, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, we were still coming out of the manufacturing age, and the complexity of technology and the rise of the internet from Tim Berners-Lee in you know, 1992, 1993, completely changed the game of product development. And so these guys came together and said, there has to be a better way to build software. There has to be a, way, a better way to build product development. And that was in 2001. When I first learned about Agile in 2004, and I also learned a framework called Scrum at the time as well, it literally changed my life. It literally changed my life, Lloyd. Like, I consumed it like no other. I was like, this is the best way to build software. And so I immediately began leveraging the Agile worldview as well as the Scrum framework to build tech startups really quickly. And so you've had some experience kind of seeing behind the curtain with one of my startups here because uh, we've contracted with you. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but we've contracted with you and we've loved your services. And you know that the companies that I run are very agile indeed. We move quickly, we break stuff quickly, we ship product quickly so that we can understand how to build it better. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I, I 100% agree. So much of that methodology can be taken away just from like software and implemented just in like life as a whole. Um, it's, it's fascinating. Um, one of the things that is, uh, amazing is you have founded four startups in your past and most of these are in emerging spaces, crypto, IOT, um, Things that are just incredible to talk about um, and, and things that, you know, I think people are still trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. Has this been intentional on your part or what's the story behind how you decide to start a startup? What a great way to posit that question. You know, I've always been on the bleeding edge of technology. So for me, when so for me, I was in middle school, high school when the Internet came out. So I was I was rolling around on Telnet. BBS, right? IRC channels back in the day. I was that nerd that was in the computer lab in 1995, 96, right? 97, who was like, this internet stuff is going to be a big deal. Like, yes, I'm mail bombing you right now and completely ruining your life. Um, <laughs> but it's fun for me to hack away at this stuff. And so for me, I've always been part of the bleeding edge of tech. And speaking of crypto, uh, there's a there's a, uh, a a news a news company called Ars Technica. Now it's been around for a long time, but they they tend to talk about the bleeding edge of technology. And in 2011, that's in an Ars Technica article in October of 2011 is when I learned about Bitcoin. And so I, th I think I think uh, I think your assertions are pretty right there. I mean, I've always kind of been a bleeding edge tech guy. I've always been a forward thinking guy. Um, and especially if in, in the technology world and something that I can code and get my hands on and start building on and, and messing a, a around with, man, I, that's just the way I am. I'm a tinkerer. I probably that's a great way to put it. I'm a tinkerer until I realize that that thing can be actually valuable. And maybe I have the skill sets and capacity to build something valuable in it. So I tinkered for seven years in crypto before I started actually building applications in it. So that's a good example of it. 
Wow. You know, I think starting new things can be scary, especially things that have unknown components, right? Whether it be starting a business, a YouTube channel, diving in a blockchain, whatever it may be. Um, I think a lot of our audience tends to be more on the safer side, and it seems like you tend to love to jump off the deep end. Yeah. Uh, do you have any advice for people that may want to start the, something or know what their next thing is, but may just be afraid? Great question. So there are there's a lot of there's with a question like this, there generally rises in my gut and in my heart a little bit of tension. And the reason is, is because I have to consider, remember, I have a counseling degree. And so you have to consider origination. You have to consider his, historicity. You have to consider how they grew up and how, how you were formed and how you, how you grew in your early, uh, early childhood all the way to your early adulthood, right? And so the reason I bring that up is because for me, my early childhood was shifting sands. Right. So I was adopted. So I started my life, my early life in an orphanage that right there for your audience, they can understand that if your early childhood experiences is that you're in an orphanage, you, you don't know where, who your parents are, right? You don't know what you're going to be doing, what you're going to be eating that day. You, you're hanging out with social workers, right? That was my early childhood. So for me, there was always this desire to grow and go and do things and experience because my early experiences was very constrained, all right? You can't do anything when you're in an orphanage, right? You've got to eat and then you got playtime and you, basically these types of things, right? And so for me, it was always, there's no risks. There are no risks because I started out with nothing. I started out with absolutely nothing. My future was supposed to be bland. I was supposed to age out at 18 and then go on to the streets. And so I think that context should be helpful for our listeners to understand that I come from a context where for me, risk is inherent to life, right? And, and that is, was realized early on. Now, let me give some pragmatic advice. What's, what's the idea worth remembering here, right? The idea worth remembering when it, whenever it comes to someone starting something new is lower your expectations. Ooh, what Peter, what are you talking about, bro? Everyone tells me to make my expectations. No, no, no. I will tell you the number one reason why people don't start. It's because they have too high expectations. Here they are right here. Base one, level one, ain't done nothing yet. They want to get to hero status. They want to get to epic adventure status where everything's gravy and everything's golden. They can visualize in their mind. They're making millions of dollars. They've got their project on lock, right? It's got a hockey stick moment. Yes, great. The problem is, is that the gulf between reality and where you want to be is way too far. So when I say lower your expectations, this is what I mean. Drop your expectations here. What can you do today that will move you directionally correct to where you want to be? And, and I've had this conversation so many times. Brother, I, people will say, well, Peter, I, 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 you know, I don't know what to do. Uh, what's your company name? Oh, I haven't formed it yet. Go form it. Uh, okay, so you have a company now. Yeah, but I don't know what to, do you have a Twitter yet? No, go make a Twitter, right? Go make a YouTube. These are, and these are such small things that you can begin today that are additive over time. And if you do one thing, this is my advice to everyone off and then I'll, I'll be done with this little spiel. My advice to everyone out there, if you do one thing that is directionally correct towards the goal that you want, in 365 days, you will have done 365 things that are additive in nature that will help you create the momentum to persevere and keep going. This is very much part of the Agile Manifesto, is that we iteratively develop. 
daily. We ship all the time. The only way to grow in any type of project, endeavor, side hustle, or, or, or new company formation is you have to make daily deposits towards that direction. I, you know, I always like to give this analogy, then I'll be done, is that when you're building a wall, you build a wall brick by brick by brick. Some days on my hardest days of startups, the only thing that I can turn to my wife to at the end of the day and say, you know what, I laid a brick today. Done. I laid a brick today. I'm satisfied. We're making progress. Man, I love that. That's a game changer. That's, I love that. You know, I, I think there's so much we can talk about here. But I would be doing my audience a disservice if I did not ask you to tell the Lambo story. <laughs> so I'll tell you the Lambo story. So when it comes to cryptocurrency, there's this common meme in the cryptocurrency world that don't spend your Bitcoin, don't spend your cryptocurrency gains on Lamborghinis, right? Now, what most people don't realize is I've been in the exotic car game for a while. So uh, after a couple of successful acquisitions, I'll just be honest, I've I bought a Lambo. What are you going to do? Uh, just what happens when you're 26 years old and you, you're coming into money? Uh, but I've always been into racing. I have a bloodline of racing. Uh, my son's into racing. My, we're all into cars. And so I figured what better way to use as a marketing opportunity for a current, current at the time, 2017, a venture-funded cryptocurrency exchange project that I was building. I figured, I said, you know, what better way to spend it on and be the first person in the world to buy a Lamborghini Huracan with Bitcoin. And so I did it. And so I found a, a local dealer here in Atlanta. Uh, there was a car on consignment. It was a 2015 Lamborghini Huracan with like 3,000 miles on it or something like that. And, uh, and he accepted Bitcoin. And so I videoed the entire thing. It went viral, 300 million views worldwide. I was in, I was in you know, Yahoo Finance uh, on the front page on CNBC, Maxim, you know, Korean TV. Uh, it was my 15 minutes of fame. But uh, yes, people, I'm in Atlanta, and so people in the car world here, uh, I get I get pinged probably maybe once a month when I'm out. People are like, "Hey, you're the Bitcoin Lambo guy," and I'm like, "Yeah, that 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 that's me. Still still doing it. Still doing the that crypto game. So yeah, hilarious." <laughs> That's, that's an amazing story to have. It, you know, and it, what's, so, what's so great, yes, it was a PR and media stunt. And actually, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you helped me build uh, a, a, a PR campaign for my current startup. So you get it. You know what I'm all about. So you have a deeper inside story than most. Uh, but this, this was a real fun opportunity to show the world that, yes, you can buy real assets with cryptocurrency, not just the coffee meme or the, or the pizza meme. You can buy real estate. You can buy cars. You can buy more luxury good type stuff. I get it. But we're moving into the mainstream now. Obviously, many of you guys have heard about PayPal joining the Bitcoin game. Elon Musk talking about Tesla and Bitcoin. Hey, we've jumped the shark, baby. If you're not in the cryptocurrency, you're missing the boat. That's incredible. I love that. Um, Peter, It's it's been really cool to look at all of the projects that you're working on. It's clear to me that you love technology. Um, but why is this important to you? Um, in other words, uh, mm. what are you hoping to accomplish with, with your work? Oh, man. What a piercing question. And I'll be piercing right back. Absolutely candid. You see, when, whenever you're a founder and you build a startup, you have lofty goals, right? You want to change the world and you want to do amazing things. You want to impact people. 
And, 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 and I will concede that in my other successful startups, that was exactly the goal. It was some type of permutation of that for sure. But at the end of the day, it was to impact the globe. If I'm intellectually honest at the end of the day, I only Im impacted us. And, you know, we, we succeeded in building a product and we got rich. And so as, as I've become more mature in my life and in getting to the, the 40-year-old 40, 40 range and these types of things, I, I found that my skill set is very unique in terms of I am not only an introvert and I can build great technology stacks and build great technology platforms, but I've also learned to be able to communicate them well. And I, in, in, in my mid-30s, I really wanted to make sure that I had purpose for my hands. And I think it's important to say it that way, is that my hands are really great at writing code and building stuff, right? I'm building go-karts behind me. I love putting my hands into work. And I love communicating those things too. And so for me, the re one of the reasons why I love the technology world that I'm in is because I can effectively do both. This is really, really, I hope this is, might be profound to some, to some of your listeners, is that I have been blessed before the age of 40 to be able to find wholly who I am and what my primary skills are unashamedly so. There are things that I am fundamentally flawed at. There are things that I'm terrible at. And you know what? I don't stress over those anymore. As a younger entrepreneur, younger operator, I wanted to be all things to all men. It's just not possible. I know exactly who I am. I know what I'm great at. I know what I suck at. And I know what I need to improve. And for me, these days, I'm mostly focusing on what I'm really great at because that is where the impact is made. Right? I find it fascinating. I have two kids. I find it fascinating when teachers are like, hey, you know, your, your son or your daughter is, 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 is struggling in this particular area, and they've always struggled in this particular area, and we need to improve that. My answer as a younger man would have been, yeah, we should. My answer today is, no, nah, it's not that important because she's really good at this, and her strengths will always be her strengths. Trying to spend time on weaknesses. I've spent years trying to fix my weaknesses. It didn't help. I was still... I was still significantly, exponentially weaker in that weak spot than my greatest talent and my greatest skill. And so I've learned to focus only on what I'm great at and do that with excellent double, triple down on it. And that's where value is created. That's, that's, that's where people resonate with you because you are passionate with a purpose behind it. And so I hope that's helpful for your listeners out there. Wow, that is. That's incredible. Thank you so much for your insight. And thank you so much for joining me today, Peter. This was incredible. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time, brother. It's always great to hang out with you, Lloyd. I appreciate it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.